Sasha. Hey, Courtney. How will you know if you accidentally married a ghost instead of your fiancé? I don't know. How? If he says, I boo. Ah! It's spoop hour. paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two Halloweenies. This is Sasha. This is Courtney. And when you're listening to this, Sasha is freshly hitched. So we're doing a very special episode in recognition of her getting hitched, hitching that wagon to a brighter star. (laughs) Pew, 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 pew. pew. Yes. I think those are in your vows. Yeah, uh, yeah I need to write those vows. My my first sentence is taken from Parks and Rec, where Leslie Nope says the thing about, like, the first draft of my vows clocked in at 70 pages <laughs> that I wrote the day after we got engaged. <laughs> and then it closes with pew, 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 pew. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, basically. Which I need to write those. The best eh. part about this whole week... We're recording this on Wednesday. I've gotten most of my to-do list done, and Courtney just raised a valuable point about why are you still crafting? (laughs) Yeah, like, Um, it's a fucking pandemic. It's a pandemic. You're getting married. Your job's done. One of my favorite parts of this week was getting to see two of my friends who are coming to the wedding this weekend. They came, we put lawn chairs in the backyard, and we were just, like, chatting. And I was telling about, like, what time our friend needs to come to help set up chairs, and then what time his girlfriend can come help set up the restaurant, and then we can just all walk over to the venue together. Jack was like, so I'll just, like, see you at, what, like, 4.30? And I was like, no, we're doing first look photos at, like, 2.30. It's on the schedule. And he was like, isn't that just you? And I was like, who's doing the first look? Yeah, who's looking at you? I don't know. It's like the first look at your wedding dress. So the Yes, everyone knows the first look is a beautiful moment to celebrate when the bride is first viewed by the wedding photographer. (laughs) And you're going to want to memorialize that forever. (laughs) So I was like, wow. So I've been making this schedule. Like I've been holding on to this information for like several weeks, expecting that you understood that you need to be at the hotel. In fact, I even wrote in parentheses in another column next to it that's like uh, parallel to it that says jack arrive at hotel by 2 (laughs) 30 so here's gonna be an abbreviated version of my wedding spiel yeah all of this pressure that poor sasha is putting on herself and if you are planning a wedding or have Mm -hmm. recently planned a wedding all of that pressure let it go Because that pressure is society crushing you with expectations about Mm -hmm. what your love and commitment needs to look like. And, fun fact, it's all bullshit. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. If it is not bringing you joy, yeet that shit into the sun. Yeah. So, that's been the hardest part. It'll be what it'll be. That's been the hardest part of this entire journey is like telling the wedding industrial complex to like get the fuck out of my head. I have cried a lot about the wedding industrial complex where I'm just like, I don't want to listen to it. And then it's like, but you're going to listen to it. And I'm like, but early into your process. 
Yeah. I can't remember what it was specifically that you were doing. It might have been when you were t- initially trying on wedding dresses, but you were like, I hate trying on wedding dresses yeah. and I hate how I look and things. And I said, you don't hate trying on wedding dresses. You hate the wedding industrial, industrial complex. complex. Yeah. And luckily I did find a wedding dress, Yeah, which I'm not wearing this weekend except for nope. photos where we're hey. not doing bridesmaid photos anymore, right? Mm-hmm. I decided I'm just going to chunk out that time to wear the wedding dress that I'm not wearing for the wedding to just get Go nice photos it. in it because I'm paying a lot of money for these photos. Yep. My photographer is dope. If you see my engagement photos, you will agree. We Pigeon. 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 You have seen but, her engagement yeah. photos. <laughs> but then I'm like, okay, the rest of this is going to be fun. I am wearing Donald Duck earrings right now, and Courtney suggested that amazing. I wear them <laughs> Please the do. wedding. So if I, I don't wear I them to the ceremony, I'll at least wear them to the reception because they are fun. They are, they are fun. The new uh, Disney and Bobble Bar collection. They're so good. They're so good. Donald Duck has like little jiggly legs. I do wish you could buy them in singles so you could like mix and match Disney characters. Oh, that'd be fun. Because together they were kind of pricey. This is my treat yourself. I woke up at like 6.30 in the morning one day to feed the cat and then remembered that they were dropping on shopdisney.com and was like, let me buy those before they sell out. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, bleary-eyed, like, pouring cat food into the bowl and, like... Amazing. Pressing by. But they have, like, Real goofy... Real talk, I've considered wearing spoopy earrings to your Ooh. wedding. See? But that would be fun. I know. I'm like, it'll be, like, a fun nod to how I know Sasha, but then I'm like, well, it'd be weird. So we'll see how I feel when I wake up on Saturday. Yeah. But I really want to get the goofy ones, too, so I can have Donald and Goofy. Then I'll be, like, oh, really be close to Kingdom Hearts. But I would have appreciated if they had Daisy ones, too, so I could have Donald and Daisy. But... Amazing. Anyway, they don't sell them in individual pairs, but Donald Duck is my favorite pantsless duck, so I needed to rub him on my ears. He's very good. Speaking of goofy things, you can find us on the internet oh, at yeah. Spoop Hour on Twitter and Instagram. That was a very and long you intro. you can email us your shit, spoophour at gmail.com. Do you need a pep talk about the wedding industrial complex? Email spoophour at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. I am happy to provide it, and it will be a truncated version of what could be a full rant. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. One, Courtney has been really great about being just, like, a wonderful friend and sounding board for a lot of my, like, wedding industrial complaints. But also, like, I know she has had to talk down lots of other people about this stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. And... The- <laughs> I love parties. I love crafting. I love yeah. theme parties. But I don't love all of the expectations that the wedding industrial complex puts on people mm-hmm. because it makes them crazy and hate it. Yeah. And you shouldn't hate it. You should be having a blast. Exactly. Because the thing is that you get to marry the person you love. So... Yep. Yeah. The number yeah. of conversations... Do you do that? I've, then your wedding was perfect. Right? The number of conversations I've had with other COVID wedding people has been, like, a lot. And, like, really interesting about, like, what things we can let go and, like, feel good about mm-hmm. letting go. We're like, wait, we don't have to worry about that thing anymore. <gasps> yeah. It's like, actually, planning a wedding in a pandemic is the greatest thing because you can just, like, yeah. shrink it down. You can, like, wear a short dress. <laughs> like, you don't you have to do shit. You got to Marie Kondo your wedding. You get, I got to Marie Kondo my wedding. It was amazing. And yeah. I still get to plan in the future, maybe two years mm-hmm. down the line, another party that mm-hmm. doesn't have to be, like, a full-on wedding thing but can still just be like, hey, let's celebrate us and this, like, COVID being done and it's yeah. dope ass and let's, do, you know, have a garden party. It's going to be great. Yeah. yeah. How many people get to do that? Right. So, anyway, email spoopower at gmail.com if you need a pep talk of any yeah. variety. And thank you <laughs> to everyone to provide. who's uh, the, the winners of the masks who sent yes. emails. All of you guys sent good emails and they're really cute. Yeah, all of you really guys sweet. are so cute. Yeah. We just love hearing from you. If you're mm-hmm. sitting there being like, oh, I didn't win a mask and I've never emailed them. They probably don't think I cu- I'm cute. We do think you're cute. Yeah. We'd love it if you emailed us. If but you, you don't to have podcast, to. You're, still you're automatically cute. cute. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. Everybody listening right now is a cutie patootie. <laughs> 
I'm also wearing giant glasses, oh. <laughs> which is unusual for me. She's very cute. But are, Thank you. are you, like, getting used to how you look on the webcam? Not really. Every so often I see myself in the webcam and I'm like, oh my god, these are so fucking huge. They're so cute, They're very- though. Thank you. They're very Velma from Scooby-Doo. So I'm living my dream. I was going to say, you're wearing large glasses. I'm wearing large earrings. Everything's large here. We're large and in charge. (laughs) We're large and in charge of our accessories. Mm -hmm. Did anything spooky happen to you this week? Um, I cut you off when you tried to ask me before. I'm so sorry. (laughs) That's the spookiest thing of all. No, the wedding industry is the spookiest thing of all. I'm still talking. (laughs) (laughs) No, but a very kind, spoopy fairy. What? suggested that I go check my mail. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I found a an early wedding present from Courtney, and I Chekhov's gun this thank you to her. So thank you so much for the wonderful present of wedding vibes, happy wedding vibe crystals. But here's what I didn't <laughs> tell you while I was like crying laughing and like texting you that I was going to like Chekhov's gun this is that when it arrived, it was uh-huh. in this like plastic bubble wrap envelope sure. and it felt like a cylinder inside. Uh-oh. And I saw the thing, it was like sun and moon something from Etsy, right? And so like I opened it up and like took out this tube and saw that it was like something, something crystals, like healing crystals oh, or no. whatever. And it was still in this cylinder tube. And I was, <laughs> and I was opening it with Jack and I was like, oh, oh no, she got us a crystal penis. <laughs> because it also like used, they folded it on the outside and said like happy wedding. <laughs> I was like, oh no, she sent me one of those quartz penises we talked about. <laughs> Here's like, the thing. Did you think I about it? Say- I, I was going to say, in, I want to say in my defense, I would never send you that, but I would 100% do it. The reason why I won't is because those crystal dildos are like $400. Okay. <laughs> but I was like, oh, That's God, she sent me That's the only reason. She sent me this thing. I absolutely would, because I was like, I wonder if, and I literally just like typed wedding crystals into Etsy, because I was like, I bet this will make her laugh. And I don't know if you're doing registry gifts for this one. So I was like, I'll just get her a little something that's like something fun and silly. And then I, you know, found these wedding crystals that, like, I don't know if they included a thing explaining what each of the crystals mean, yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah, like, it, yeah. communication mm-hmm. and, like, yeah, I was gonna read it off and right shit now. like that. But, yeah, I absolutely would have ordered you a crystal dildo yeah, had they not been, like, 600 like, This It was, like, super, like, even the note inside was, like, covering oh, the crystals. Very cute. And it was, like, rolled up, and so I was, like pretty sure that this was that and i was like oh no she got us a crystal penis thank you for the happy marriage you're rocks. welcome congrats on getting you're married. absolutely right i checked i checked my mail and i had a good laugh <laughs> the laugh was that i thought it was a penis <laughs> i thought it would be funny anyway because you know we're we're iffy on crystals we really but now are it's but even I'm gonna, better did anything spooky happen to you yes so <laughs> i've continued to watch charmed it's not spooky how much i love it i just love it but what is spooky is that that guy, the Black Hood from yeah, Riverdale, is in it. He sure is. Betty's dad is in it, not as a serial killer. I mean, he might be a serial killer. I don't super love his character. I can't no. say too much about it because we're going to do future Bone Cone for our Patreon yeah. where Sasha explains say, Charmed to me. But also, whom among us isn't a serial killer? I mean, it's I 2020. Whom's among us? You need a release. It's either the crystal dildos or serial killing. Like, <laughs> that's it. That's all you got. <laughs> but I'm at the part now in Charmed where my man Cole is around 
And I know he's problematic, and whenever he does something problematic, I'm like, I don't care, he's perfect, ooh-woo. Ooh-woo. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's great. I also, I've been watching What We Do in the Shadows with my fella, and there's an episode in season two on ghosts, and it's just, it's spectacular. I, I can't say too much without spoiling it, but if you don't watch What We Do in the Shadows, the TV series, you absolutely should, and in season two, when you get to the ghost episode... Email gmail.com because I want to talk to somebody about it. <laughs> oh, so then, okay, I'll hop on and start watching that. It's so fun. It's amazing that I don't watch that yet. Yeah, we are you, working you our should. way through Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt right now because oh, I only watched the first two seasons and Jack didn't know that it existed. Oh, and then the other spooky thing that happened to me, speaking of serial killers, I had a dream that my favorite English teacher from high school invited me and mm. like other people that were his students, but I, I didn't know them in the dream, to his house because he wanted to do, like, a murder mystery dinner. And over oh. the course of the murder mystery dinner, it turned out that he was actually a serial killer who had lured us into this so he could kill us. And I figured it out, and I hid myself in a cupboard over his refrigerator. Like, I somehow managed to, like, cram myself in there. And he couldn't find me. So because he couldn't find me, he's like, I guess I gotta let all you go. <laughs> I, he's very, he's very dashing. He is. So, like... He's a handsome he fits, lad. He fits in with a lot of serial killers. It's true. Like, I... You know, this if I found the, out he were a serial killer, I'd be disappointed. I don't know that I'd be fully surprised, because he's very yeah. handsome. This is the guy... I think we talked about this on the podcast you before. Met, yeah, you met I him one time. ran into him this spring, mm -hmm. before COVID hit. Yes. And before I, like, awkwardly was like... Ugh. I was in your film study class, but you don't remember me, but my old roommates say hi. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know your roommates. I know your friends. Like, yeah. I listed off, like, everyone I knew to make sure that he didn't think I was a creep. He's like, yeah, I know all those people. I don't remember you. Well, that's fine. Well, at least I know I wouldn't get serial killed. No, he wouldn't invite you to his house to kill you. He wouldn't you. invite me to his house. So, really, you kind of would ahead. be there. I would investigate him. Yeah. He wouldn't know who I am. He you didn't would, remember me. You would avenge so us. I would be hot on his trail and he wouldn't know. Yeah. He'd be the dashing <laughs> inspector who comes in to save the day. Exactly. I love it. Wednesday night. It's always a little spicy on a Wednesday night. <laughs> <laughs> so... Before we get started on weddings, I have a featured creature that I found that's actually kind of relevant. Yes. So, if you are ready for this featured creature. I am. I am. All right. From the wilds of the mid-Atlantic comes me, a friendly cryptid. Witnesses describe me as being small, about the size of a house cat, and covered in dark fur with some patches of white. I'm not the scariest creature. Mostly I, and others like me, keep to myself. I'm very friendly, though, and am often associated with domesticity. In hmm. certain circumstances, though, my cool powers come into play. I have been known to select human families for protection. Once I choose them, I am theirs for life. I will guard over their homes and protect them from interlopers. All they need to do to keep me happy is to make a small offering of food and water, provide enough affection to make me feel appreciated, and give me free license to kill anything I deem a threat to the household. This is an outdoor cat. <laughs> Not done yet. So long as that is provided, the help will continue. Need some help guessing who I am? Yes. My first syllable is the name of the bartender in The Simpsons. Mo. And the second syllable is the first part of the name of a berry farm. Nah. That's right. I'm your cat, Mona. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
few weeks ago, and I was really excited. Oh my god! Yes, she good. <laughs> She's a good <laughs> cryptid. <is> a cat. <laughs> black and white. It absolutely is a black and white cat. <laughs> it's your black and white cat. It's my black and white cat. Oh, do I have my black and white? Oh. oh. Uh, I'll take a photo and send it to you later that's of my little felted black and white cat. <laughs> oh, yes, that's coming to the wedding. It's that's coming to the it's, wedding. It's your wedding episode. It's our Spoop Hour wedding spooktacular. So I had to do a Yay. featured creature that was about your cat. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Happy wedding. All right. So this is our wedding spooktacular. I've got some superstitions to share from around the world and also some like just general traditions and stuff. Love it. How about you? I have got some ghost marriages, which Ooh. I rapidly closed out of for reasons we'll get into when I get into that part. Spoilers, it's because it was really sad and I didn't like it and I wanted to have fun. Oh. So well, I was like, it got too sexy. <laughs> yeah, it just was too sexy. It was too hot to handle. No, the opposite no, of that. It was too sad. So when we rapidly back away from that, I also have some spooky happenings from weddings. Ooh. And the website I got these from, I was going to go through the trouble that I usually go through to rewrite these things and like put it in my own words, but they're written yeah. kind of ridiculously. And so I'm going to read them as they are. <laughs> Yes, it's like the Jersey Devil journals. Exactly. It's honestly, it has Jersey Devil journal vibes. Oh. <laughs> All right. So, since you are the bride, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go first just to like set the stage for superstitions and like the stuff that's like not so spooky, right? And then we can just like end hard and we're spooky, just gonna go like, hard and fast on go spooky. Hard. Right. So I got just wedding superstitions all around the world from Mental Floss, The Knot, Women's Day, Charisma Weddings in Italy, BollywoodShoddies.com, Manhattan Bride, <laughs> Pocket Cultures, and also my own personal experience. I'm sorry, but you're just going to breeze past Bollywood Shoddies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will not allow that. We're going to dwell on that for at least a moment. We're going to dwell on that a second. Wednesday night, so what, Bollywood shoddies. Bollywood shoddies. <laughs> so to start out, I have I looked into Japan, and there is a lot, mostly because, I don't know, I'm half Japanese, thought I could share a lot about that. So there's just a lot of traditions based with Japanese wedding rituals, and so there's, starting with the engagement, the couple might exchange lucky objects that could include a ceremonial amount of money or preserved food that symbolizes lasting quality, or a fan that's a symbol of happiness, or a linen thread that signifies strong ties in marriage. So basically, like, small little gifts to show that, like, hey, like, we're in it for the, the long haul. Jack and I have not done this. <laughs> um, it's okay. It's but we've, we've shown each other the affection and all those things in other ways. I was going to say, just give him one of your crystals. And yeah, he exactly. can give you another one back. It'll be fine. <laughs> Take a crystal, leave a crystal. Yeah. <laughs> Japanese wedding ceremonies can be Shinto, Christian, Buddhist, or non-religious, kind of similar to Western weddings where, like, there are a lot of non-secular weddings these days. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's up to the couple to choose the style of their wedding ceremony that could be different from the style that's typical, typically done in, or it could be, you know, done by, based on the region of the country they're living in. There's just a lot of variance, but basically it's like, you do you, mm -hmm. except like, the wedding industrial complex from the West has seeped in in Japan, like, in a big way. So, uh, so you do you, but also wedding industrial complex. 
So with Shinto style weddings, they are usually very small and private, just close family and very few guests. And during this Shinto style wedding, it's performed by a priest at a shrine. If you are in Japan and you go to a shrine, especially on a weekend, um, you may be lucky enough to see a wedding procession. I got to see one at the Meiji Jingu Shrine in Tokyo a few years ago. That was really cool because like you saw the Oyomesan, like the bride wearing this beautiful white headdress dress and big white kimono and the man was in his traditional uh, what is it called i can't remember clothing but he, clothing <laughs> yeah and, and there's like a procession of like family members dressed in like black suits and stuff oh. and it's very it was very serious everyone was like quiet and being like Ooh, oh my god like like side just, like, note hushed yeah have you considered instead of calling it your social distanced wedding calling it your shinto inspired wedding Ooh, because it's, it's got small a small guest and list and only yeah. family and very, very few guests. Yeah, it basically is. Yeah, <laughs> so. And so, yeah, it's like there's, like, when you get to see this couple, you can see, like, like everyone's like there's like reverence right everyone's mm-hmm. like oh my god there's traditions involving sake in that are exchanged called sansan kudo which means three three and nine the groom and bride drink sake three times each from three different size sake cups and then in exchanging their cups they are symbolically exchanging their marriage vows and then the parents also will take sips to seal the bond between the two families each person will take three sips of sake from each of the three cups the first three sips represent the three couples, so like the the family and the bride's parents' side, the groom's parents' side, and the bride and groom. And then the next three sips are the flaws of hatred, passion, and ignorance, and then the last three sips represents freedom from those flaws. Oh. So it's, yeah, basically like we're uniting together as like one big family and we're going to like help each other through like struggles and try to free us from like these bad things. Mm-hmm. Wedding favors are given out in Japan, much like in the West, but these will often include chopsticks, like nice chopsticks, not like the break apart ones. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know you've been invited to a wedding that actually hates you, is they give you yeah, the disposable you chopsticks. The Fuck yeah. you, these came from a restaurant. <laughs> Folding fans and sake cups. My mom has a salad spinner that she still uses to this day, which was a wedding favor from her friend Yumiko in the late 1980s. So yeah, it's usually, the, the gift is usually something you can use. And the wedding receptions in Japan are very similar to Western weddings, where you've got speeches, toasts, cocktails, nice dinner, but they will frequently include uh, sushi and, like, fancy seafood things, and then certain foods for good luck. So shrimp, red rice, and red rice for the good luck, gold dust for decoration. During the reception, there's something called kagami biraki, or an opening the lid ceremony, where the lid of a sake barrel is opened up with a wooden mallet, and then the sake is served to everyone. Because of its round shape, the lid is a symbol of harmony. Oh. And then, this is my favorite part, and I hope in the future to do this. It's called Oiro uh, Naoshi, which is the bride's changing of outfits. Yes! So some brides will change three or four times during the day. This tradition of changing clothes several times dates back to the 14th century and symbolizes the bride's readiness to return to everyday life. At a Shinto reception, the bride will get married in a long white kimono. Then she might come to the reception in a colorful embroidered kimono and then change into like a Western style white wedding dress and then finally into like an evening gown or a party dress. There you go. 
back in like February, my mom and I were looking for a dress for her to wear to my wedding. And I had already bought my wedding dress at that point. And we found some beautiful like evening gowns. And I was like, oh, this is pretty. I want to wear this. And my mom was like, we could do Oh, you don't know she. And I was like, hell yeah. And then coronavirus happened. <laughs> so Look, it's your big maybe, fashion Shinto inspired wedding. You can yeah, do whatever you want. N- maybe, maybe next year or not next year, like in two years when we do our big thing, I'm just going to find a ball gown that I like that's like something completely different. Oh, sorry. And then one more thing is that wedding cakes in Japan mm-hmm. are very tall and very large. Amazing. And are often cut with swords. Oh, um, so baller. Yeah. So <laughs> baller. Please do I, that. <laughs> I don't have a sword and our cake is going to be one tier. <laughs> okay, this is revealing that the weeb is like several generations back in my family, but my dad has like six sets of samurai swords from when we lived in Japan <laughs> in his house. I could safely steal one and get it back to his house before he noticed it's gone. <laughs> And you can cut your wedding cake just with katana it. slice our just cake. Kapew! <laughs> it'll, it'll be like that thing, like an anime, where the thing is whole and goes... Oh, yeah, and then it just cuts in half. <laughs> and then we all go, oh! oh. <laughs> Wednesday night! It'll be great. So in Okinawa, they have a word called champuru, which is a type of stir-fry, that, and it means mixed. So the culture in Okinawa is very influenced by trade and other interactions historically from the Ryukyu Kingdom, which was Okinawa, China, which is its neighbor, Japan, which is its also neighbor, Mm -hmm. and then Southeast Asia, and then also since the 1940s, Western nations. Even before 1940s, like since the 1800s, Western nations. So basically... Okinawan culture has evolved to incorporate all these things and kind of make it their own. So Okinawan weddings can be similar to Japanese weddings or Western, you know, white weddings. But you're going to take that dial and you're going to turn it up to 11. (laughs) (laughs) Because Okinawans are a partying people. (laughs) So you're taking a wedding. among us? And you're making it fun. It's probably at a resort. The only Okinawan wedding I went to, ever been to was at a resort. And when I was thinking about getting married in Okinawa, it was all resorts all the time. Because it's an island. Like, why wouldn't you go get married in a beautiful crystal palace that's really? overlooking the ocean on a cliff, right? Oh, my God. But the reception, you have dinner theater. You Ooh. have floor shows. You have dancers. You have live bands. Basically, almost everyone is expected to participate in some kind of performance. So... And they're all, like, very well rehearsed. When my aunt Asuka and my uncle Choke got married when I was 11, my family, my parents, my brother, my mom's cousins, their kids, like, we all got together and sang this song called Kariyushi no Yoru by this, like, super popular Okinawan band called Begin. And so I had to get on the stage, like, with my little sheet of lyrics where everything was typed out in Romaji because I couldn't read the Japanese oh. lyrics. And so I was, like, sounding it out, Amazing. reading it. And we sang, and everyone was like, oh, yay, you know, because we're a bunch of little kids and, like, our parents are right. singing it. I realize I've pooped on weddings a lot in my 30 years on this planet. This is 100% my kind of wedding. <laughs> yeah, like, because everyone has to, like, do like get up and, like, perform. And, like, yes. basically everyone is the entertainment. There's always, like, a stage at these weddings. Yes. Also, other performances can include the traditional ASA uh, celebration that has, like, drums and shouting and the whole shebang. If Look up ASA, E-I-S-A, on YouTube, and you will be just, like, it, it's pretty hype. I, I like it. It's always Amazing. done at festivals. There's the Kagia Defu dance, which is for happiness, and it's a traditional Okinawan dance that's basically slow motion and very pretty. People do karate showcases. They do idol-style performances. So think about, like, every, like, Japanese boy band and... 
or a uh, <laughs> Japanese like, girl band, and like your friends from college will do that for you. Amazing. People do stand up comedy. They do musical numbers. My great aunt Asuka did a uh, traditional kimono like dance and everything during the dinner, and it was very like highbrow and high tone. But then like after dinner, everyone started starting to get drunk, and like everyone yeah. started like you know. <laughs> Like doing it, it, it's like also like a karaoke party too. Like yeah. it's crazy. For the wedding guests, it can be really fun. For the bride and groom, it's kind of a marathon of gratitude and acknowledgement and kampai. Yes. You're expected to invite everyone you know and also some of the people they know. <laughs> That's so less can, my speed, but I love yeah, it still. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it sprawls out into kind of a huge party. Yeah. My mom was, like, really skeptical when I was like, I want to get married in Okinawa. She's like, I have to invite people I haven't talked to in, like, 20 years. And I'm like, oh, You have wait, to invite what? every single MRD. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. I just thought that we could get married with, like, our Okinawan families, and, like, that's good enough. And she's like, mm-hmm. no, I have to invite everyone I worked with when I worked for Japan Airlines in the 80s. And I'm like... <laughs> I don't understand. Wakarimasen, mama. <laughs> I love it. But one daunting task that the couple has to do at the wedding that would probably kill me and Jack immediately is that the couple has to visit each table and kampai with each group separately. Oof, so think yeah. your college drinking games that you might have been a part of, like Waterfall or like Never Have Proper. I Ever. You have to like, basically yeah, play yeah, a yeah. drinking game at like every single table. <laughs> so you might have to play like 50 drinking games oh. in one night. No, yeah, that that I do not love. That so, like I said, they go hard. Yeah, I you would remember die. going to an after party also after my cousin's wedding in the penthouse of the resort where there was like karaoke and more drinking and lots of drunk relatives. And Amazing. I was eleven and spoke English and was like, "All right, hey guys, I'll have <laughs> some go. apple juice. Let's go." <laughs> <laughs> so let's go around the world and talk about other traditions. So in Greece, the happy couple will hand out sugar-coated almonds called kofeta, mm. uh, kofeta to their guests. As the white of the almonds symbolizes purity, the egg shape of the almond is a sign of fertility, the hardness represents the endurance of marriage, and the sugar is meant to show the sweetness of married life. And together, they're meant to wish the newly married duo happiness, health, wealth, children, and a long life. Interesting. And should a, yeah, and should a single girl take one of the blessed snacks and sleep with it under her pillow for three nights, tradition states that she will somehow see her future husband. I have also seen, while I was doing my research, several countries have a tradition where you take the wedding cake from the, or like a slice of wedding cake from Uh-oh. the party that you went to, you take it home with you and you put it under your pillow. Ugh. And, and then you uh, wake up you covered in ants. and love. Brides can also tuck a sugar cube into their glove to sweeten their union. And also, after the sun has fallen, the bride is not able to pick up their own dress. So, like, you either have to have it tucked back so, like, no one can, like, that you're not going to step on it. Yeah. Or someone else has to, like, help you carry your dress around because you can't pick up your own dress. Why? Does it, like, hold the luck. luck in? Oh, it's just bad luck. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> bad God. Luck. In Sweden, brides in the Nordic country add coins to their footwear. The father of the bride will give their daughter a silver coin to go in her left shoe, and then mom will offer up a gold coin for her right. It's meant to ensure that she'll never go without. And then in Greek tradition, the gold coin goes in the left shoe, and again, meaning the same thing, that like prosperity. Poland, this one has me a little bit concerned about my shoes three days out from our wedding. Uh-oh. Tradition dictates if that if a uh, bride wears open-toed heels, their future wealth and fortune will fly out the opening. <laughs> Uh-oh. But 
they can scoop up some extra cash because there, the new Mr. and Mrs. will exit the church and guests will shower them with coins, which they scoop up to ensure a prosperous future. Oh. So, kind I of feel a mixed like that bag. might hurt. I don't want to get hit in the head with a coin. Oh, hold on. I gotta, I gotta cancel some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I feel like we have a coin shortage in America. That's that might, true. Yeah. Yeah. So just keep your coins. Please I don't have, throw any at me. I have a piggy bank that's shaped like a cupcake. There's some coins in that that I haven't <laughs> Please don't touched. don't throw coins at me. No, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm worried like, about just getting like, like pelted like with a penny like straight into my forehead. Don't worry. For safety purposes, I'll yeet the whole bank at you, <laughs> so that Catch I don't touch them. the coins, and then you'll just be like, it's just gonna smash <laughs> and shower you with luck. Do we have Scottish listeners? Probably. Probably. Okay, Are you Scottish, Scottish listener, email spoopar at gmail.com. Please tell me if this next thing is a thing that people still do, because according to the book, they do what? A cultural encyclopedia of extraordinary and exotic customs from around the world. Uh-oh. Before a Scottish bride can be dressed in white, Uh-oh. she must be first doused in slime. Pre-nuptials, the bride's friends will slather her and sometimes the groom in smelly foods like rotten eggs, curdled milk, and fish sauce. The tradition is said to prepare couples for the hardships of married life or to throw evil spirits off the trail for the upcoming day. I need to know if people actually do this or if this is like one of those weird things that just like doesn't only happen at like one wedding ever. And then the person who was doing research for that book interviewed the correct person and they were like, yeah, oh, we do this at all of our weddings. But it's just like one family's tradition. I do not remember that part in Braveheart. <laughs> there I is a have wedding that is a very important part of that movie. And I'm yeah. pretty sure they did not slather the bride in goop. Yeah. It's I I hope it was just like one weird family got interviewed for this book and they were like, "Oh yeah, everybody does this." And everybody else is like, "Ugh." No, we don't. Yeah. Ugh. So, Scottish listeners, let me know if that's a thing that people still do. Scottish listeners, we're not we're not disappointed. We're just worried. <laughs> I'm just very curious. <laughs> And also kind of glad I'm marrying into like another Japanese family. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna fill my cupcake shaped piggy bank with no. goop and coins, and then I'm just gonna eat <laughs> no. it in the middle of the ceremony when you least expect it. Let's um let's check off gun yeeting things. <laughs> It'll come up again when I talk about Italy. Yes. So in Ireland, bells are chimed at Irish weddings to keep evil spirits away and ensure a harmonious life. Sometimes Irish brides will carry small bells in their bouquets as a reminder of their sacred wedding vows, and bells can also be found on tables at the receptions and are also common gifts to newlyweds. If I remember correctly, I think they also do bells at Samhain because it wards off the spirits. Yeah, bells are good. Yeah. That's what I understand. Ireland (laughs) loves bells. Yeah. French newlyweds will flush away bad luck with a unique tradition called la soupe. Also, French listeners, let me know if this is real. La soupe. (laughs) Guests will gather the leftovers from the receptions or tasty treats like champagne and chocolate and place them into a toilet or toilet-like bowl for the bride and groom to eat. Don't like that. I I was I thought it was going to be and then they flush it away and then nope. I was going to be like are all pipes just fucked in France? But yeah. it's nope. so much worse than that. It's so much worse than that somehow. I hate I it. I mean, I know that there's a restaurant, there's like restaurants across Asia that have like are like poop themed where you eat curry out of like a right. ceramic bowl that's shaped like a toilet. So like when they said toilet like bowl, I was like, okay, they got a little Maybe, ceramic toilet yeah. bowl, but I yikes. I don't mind when my food touches each other, but something about eating the leftovers from the reception and all together like that, I don't know, man. Yeah, that and like 
you have to imagine someone actually puts it in the toilet and then eats it. And that no. is just a, a horrifying nightmare. No, thank you. No, a hard pass. <laughs> um, the uh, Maasai people in Kenya will douse newlyweds with good fortune, but the father of the bride will spit on her head and chest as she leaves the village with her new husband because the thought is that by acting disrespectfully rather than heaping them with praise, they avoid tempting fate and bringing bad luck to the new union. So basically, they're like reverse psychology and oh, bad okay. luck. They're, yeah. they're like, this is all the bad luck you're going to get. Basically, so the yeah. bad luck's going to see this and be like, oh, we're good and just pass you by. <laughs> yep. In Mexico, brides aren't dressed in all white. Many will sew colorful ribbons to their undergarment with the yellow strand symbolizing the blessing of food, blue meaning to bring financial luck, and red to ensure a passionate relationship. I feel like these colors are very similar to when we talked about New Year's underpants. Yes, they yes. are. Yes. <laughs> In Italy, so, so we're going to Chekhov's gun, taking off the mantle, Yeet. Ye yeeting the piggy bank. Some Italian couples will attempt to demolish a vase or a glass during their wedding. Tradition states that however many pieces they manage to smash the glass into determines how many years they will be happily wed. Oh! My thought as I was looking at this was, imagine taking a vase and just, like, smashing it as hard into the ground as you can and it doesn't break. Oh, my God. It's, like, made out of safety big glass. Or you, like, like smash it and you get three big pieces. Yeah, and you're like, oh, no. Well. <laughs> well. <laughs> So like get the divorce in in three years. Yeah. <laughs> the veil tradition also started in Rome and was supposed to hide and protect the bride from evil spirits that were jealous of her. Oh. In England. Courtney, you will hate this one. Good. I love hating things. You love hating things. The English believe that a spider found in a wedding dress means good luck. I hate it. Hate it. Wedding Wednesdays are considered the best day to marry, oh. although Monday is for wealth and Tuesday is for health, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, great days. Saturday is the most popular day to get married, but Saturday is actually the unluckiest wedding day, according to English folklore. I have a question. You said Monday is for wealth? Yeah. Is it because on Mondays, wedding venues are going to be cheaper because there's fewer events on Monday? Oh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I see through you, English folklore. Yeah, I was like, and it's expensive on weekends. You fucking tried it, English folklore. Also, this is pretty metal. Snake rings dotted with ruby eyes were popular wedding bands in Victorian England, where the coils winding in circles symbolized eternity. So now I am, like, rethinking the ring that I picked out. Yeah, that's so metal. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. Now you I really want a snake. that ball. <laughs> I want a snake. And also, I don't, I don't, I've never heard this before, but in addition to friends and family, many Brits are sure to invite a chimney sweep to their wedding. When a London chimney sweep saved King George II's life 200 years ago, the king declared that all chimney sweeps bring good fortune and should be treated with respect. <laughs> <laughs> that lasted for all of three weeks. <laughs> right? And so it's considered good luck to see a chimney sweep on your wedding day, and many hire out their services to come to the ceremony and kiss the bride. Okay. That's I fine. think a chimney sweep made that up. It was a chimney sweep dressed up as King George II, and he was like, we get to kiss the bride. What for? What for? <laughs> That's my terrible Dick Van Dyke um, from Mary Poppins. A marriage tradition in South Africa has the parents of the bride and groom carry a fire from their own hearths to the newlywed couple's hearths to light it. So that's like the combining of two families' fires. That's a long way for a fire to go. Yeah. I was Unless like, I you're like neighbors. Good. Yeah. I was like, I, I don't, I don't see us Especially being able to do that. Especially in modern times when people are really spread out and you have cars, yeah. like, do you have to like put the fire in the car and then like, yeah, or maybe like you bit? can put the fire onto a candle 
and then try oh. to carry the candle. Yeah, that, like that find a way to sense. kind of transfer the fire, right? See, transfer that energy. I'm just thinking like full Howl's Moving Castle. You oh, have yeah, some like no, I was thinking that too. calcifer in a little like shovel thing. I also don't know what you do if you don't have a fireplace because I have my parents have a fireplace. Jack's parents have a fireplace. You don't. We don't. We have a fire pit in our backyard that we use like in October and then never again for the rest of the year. <laughs> so I guess that not, would count. Maybe. I decay. Bride and bridesmaids initially were supposed to wear the same color in order to confuse evil spirits. This is not so common anymore. It's like the you guys were going to wear coral pink and I was going to wear white. Like, that's yeah. different. The custom of tiered cakes emerged from a game where the bride and groom attempted to kiss over an ever higher cake without <laughs> knocking it over. That sounds like a game drunk people made up and I love it. Right? <laughs> an old wives tale says that if the younger of two sisters marries first, the older sister must dance barefoot at the wedding or risk never landing a husband patriarchy let her wear shoes unless the shoes are hurting her feet in which case she can go barefoot she can do whatever the fuck she wants yeah in many cultures around the world including celtic hindu and egyptian weddings the hands of a bride and groom are tied together to demonstrate the couple's commitment to each other and their new bond as a married couple giving us the popular phrase tying the knot The bride stands to the groom's left during most ceremonies because in bygone days, the groom needed his right hand to be free to fight off other suitors. Oh my god. Swish, swish. (laughs) Clang, clang. You want a piece of this? I'm going to fight you. The Catholic tradition of, quote, posting the bans, bans spelled with two N's, uh, to announce... Yeah. To announce a marriage, usually in the newspapers, it was usually upper class people, but it originated as a way to make sure the bride and groom were not related. So they would announce it to make sure people were people like, would be oh, like, wait, that's my cousin. Second, I'm but that's related also my to other both cousin. of these people. Yeah. <laughs> the groom carries the bride across the threshold to bravely protect her from evil spirits lurking below. Sure. I don't expect Jack to have to carry me back over our threshold. I get this. so anxious at the thought of anyone carrying me, honestly. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't want to be carried. Leave me alone. I think you saw on Facebook, we had the jump photo for the engagement uh, photo shoot where, like, Jack had to lift me up. I was so scared. Hate it. Because we didn't practice beforehand. (laughs) It was just like, the photographer said, three, two, one, go. And you were (laughs) like, like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) I stay on the ground. Yeah. Legend holds that if you want good luck to be by your side after your wedding, let a cat eat some food from your left shoe. I am going to feed my cat cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Out of your shoe. So finally, my last thing is the something old, something new thing. Mm -hmm. So the, uh, it's from an old English rhyme, something old, spelled an E, something new, something borrowed, oldie, something new, something borrowed, something blue, a sixpence in your shoe. (laughs) I see what didn't make it. (laughs) I see what didn't make it, right? So basically, this is what the bride should include on her wedding outfit or carry with her on her wedding day. The rhyme came about in the Victorian era. Surprise, surprise. Fucking ruin it. Right? From Lancashire County in England. Most of the ingredients in the rhyme are meant to ward off the evil eye, a curse passed through a malicious glare that could make the bride infertile. This is also, again, mentioned with henna and other wedding rituals around the world. It's interesting to see how common of a thing the evil eye is. So something old represents continuity, and this is basically taking something from your family line and wearing it. So it could be a sentimental piece of jewelry or clothing belonging to an older relative, just some kind of family heirloom. Something new is optimism for the future, as the couple is about to enter into a new chapter in life. This could be literally anything 
for most brides, a lot of the stuff is new. Something borrowed brings the couple good luck. By borrowing something from a happily married friend or relative, the bride or couple ensures a little about their good fortune rubs off on them. The old-fashioned superstition urged the bride to borrow the undergarments of a female friend or relative who has a happy marriage and healthy kids, because fertility is important. Are they clean undergarments? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Something thank clean. God. Yeah, like silky clean <laughs> undergarments from who that belong to your friend. Okay. But now it's like mostly sentimental value. You're borrowing, again, this could be that something old, right? Yeah, that yeah. you're borrowing your grandmother's hair comb or your mother's earrings or something mm-hmm. like that. Your for mother's Donald Duck earrings. Yes. I'm <laughs> borrowing my mom's sh- hair comb from her Seijinshiki when she turned 20 in Japan. And... It's also old. <laughs> it's uh, she bought it done. She bought it like thirty five years ago. So oh, perfect. <laughs> boom. Um, no, she bought it like forty years ago. It's very yeah. I'm sorry. My mom is getting older. <laughs> I know how old my mom is. <laughs> Don't we all? And so this something blue also is meant to dis- uh, deflect the, that pesky evil eye. But also sure. the color blue is means love, purity, and fidelity, which are the three qualities for a solid marriage. And so the finally, the thing that we knew littlest about, because we were like, haha, sixpence in your shoe, what? <laughs> it is the final ingredient of the old rhyme. The British coin, the pence, or sixpence, is meant to represent prosperity for the couple as they start their lives together. Though sixpence was decommissioned in the UK in 1980, basically brides who are sticklers for detail can still obtain a sixpence and tuck it in their shoe. In America, people will often substitute sixpence for a penny, which they can put in their shoe or tuck somewhere else on their outfit. And traditionally, the father of the bride might present her with that penny before she walks down the aisle as like a gift of good luck. And maybe they can also make it extra special by using a penny from the year they were born or the year that they met their partner. I had no idea about that, so I, I was not expecting. I have that your my... dad can borrow. Yeah, in my I was like cupcake-shaped piggy bank that I'm gonna eat for your ceremony. I, I feel like I'm gonna see my dad on Saturday, give him a penny, and be like, "Can you give this back to me?" Yeah, I'll go through <laughs> and see if I have any like 1990 pennies. Yeah, just like find him, sidle up next to him, be like, "Give this to Sasha." <laughs> Just, just, like, slide it to him from six feet away. Yeah, be like... Or, like, just put on a chair and be like, hey, pick up that penny. Mr. Sasha's dad. (laughs) Come get it. So that was my very long-winded report on superstitions from around the world. So... All of this spooky wedding nonsense came from Wikipedia, thelocal.fr, theculturetrip.com, bbc.com, abc.net.au, insideedition.com, and sixthtone.com. Yay, Inside Edition! Yay! Yay. They're they're the real MVPs of this episode, them and Bollywood shoddies. (laughs) So I'm going to talk about ghost marriages. When I googled ghost wedding, I was really hoping for, like, someone had their wedding and a ghost showed up. (laughs) <laughs> but instead, I got a lot of stuff about ghost marriages. So I'm like, this is going to be fun and spooky. Mm-hmm. Fun and spooky. And it turns out around the world, there are several countries where people will marry spirits. And not just like in a random one-off sense, like that woman who married the 300-year-old pirate ghost. Right. But like in like a legal like whole thing. Interesting. So we're going to talk about two of them and we're going to gloss over the second one because it's a bummer. Aw. So in France, you have posthumous marriages, which are actually legal thanks to Article 171 of the Civil Code. Oh. Weirdly, I think the way the code is written means that it you can only do it if 
the husband slash that that the male fiance yeah. dies before the wedding, not the wife, just because okay. it uses gendered language. But I don't. So obviously it's heteronormative, like a lot of bullshit wedding stuff. Yeah. But it's also like very specific. So the relevant part is quote. The President of the Republic may, for serious reasons, authorize the solemnization of marriage if one of the spouses died after completion of the official formalities, marking it unequivocal consent. In this case, the effects of the marriage dated back to the day preceding the death of the husband. So basically, if you were engaged before the death of one party, but Uh they died before the actual wedding part, then you can get special permission to marry them posthumously, so ah, essentially marry their ghost. Yeah. But to do this, you have to send a request to the president of France, who then sends it to the justice minister, who then sends it to the prosecutor for your district. So, like, let's say, you know, you live in X county, so it has to be the prosecutor for X county. And then it, like, it seems like a lot of stuff, so what? it's like, why would like, you why can't start you just the- send it directly to the prosecutor of a county? I don't know, because it has to come from the president first, and then it, like, moves all the way back to the president. Huh. It's, it's an intense process. So the prosecutor will then follow up with the family of the deceased to confirm that they really wanted to get married. So you can show that through purchase of rings or mm. through posting the bands like you talked about is a yeah. very specific way it was done. Like sending if you, a save the date or something Right, like sending that. a save the date, having a wedding dress, having mm-hmm. your wedding license, like booking a reception hall or whatever. You have yeah. to show intent. Like you can't just okay. be like, he really wanted to marry me and, you know... Mm. He just didn't propose. Yeah. Like, so I, like, I can't if, say that Jimmy Stewart wanted to marry me. He didn't. Right. He didn't, he didn't. know me. He would yeah. have if he knew me, but he didn't know me. He didn't know you, so, he, so you can't. It's not his fault. I'm amazing. <laughs> you are. So Jimmy Stewart would absolutely marry you. I mean, he absolutely would. I would smuggle a Yeti finger for him. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite fun fact. Right. Anyway. So they have to confirm intent. They also have to confirm that the family of the deceased supports the wedding. Mm-hmm. So, like... If for some reason they have reason to object, the whole process shuts down. Okay. And there has to be a serious reason for the wedding to take place. So it can't just be, well, we booked a venue. Can we get, like, posthumously married? It has to be stuff like pregnancy or a long history of cohabitation. Like, you were living together for 10 years and you were finally going to tie that knot. Um, If there's existing children in the picture. Uh Stuff like that. Like, very specific, serious reasons. At that point, the prosecutor will go back to the president of France and be like, this has been approved, and then the marriage will be performed and backdated to the day before the death. Ah. So here's why it became legal. And frankly, it was somewhat common. In the wake of World War I, you had all these young men go off to war. Many of them died. And it was implemented as a way for soldiers' partners to receive the military pension allotted for widows of those who died in battle. Uh, that's what I was thinking. That had something to do with the like life, mm-hmm. the life insurance yep. or so, money and so stuff like that. Imagine, you know, it's World War One. Well, it's the Great War. You don't know it's World War One yeah. yet. And your fiance goes off to war. Oops, you're pregnant, but you don't mm. know when he goes off. He dies. And you don't have access to that pension, and your kid's going to be born a bastard. So that would be when you would have this posthumous wedding request, mm. and it would legitimize your child who was born out of wedlock because, you know, just because the father died on the front lines, but, like, it's still a legitimate baby. Basically, it's a lot of patriarchal nonsense trying yeah. to, like, circumnavigate it. After the Great War, the practice kind of died down again and faded into obscurity until 
1959, when a dam burst in Frisius, I think I'm saying that right, and among the 432 victims was Andre Capra, who left behind a fiancé, Irene Jodar. But at the time of Andre's death, Irene was pregnant, so she petitioned the president to allow her to go through with the marriage so that her child would be legitimate. And this was, as far as I could tell, the first time a civilian tried yeah. to secure this, like, posthumous ghost marriage. Because prior to huh. this, it was, like, exclusively military partners being like, yeah. my fiancé died at battle, please let me marry his spirit so that I can have, like, some sort of support. Yeah. So the National Assembly then put together the law that now allows civilians to pursue posthumous marriages to this day. But... If you think you're 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 gonna like scam the system and you want to try to marry a ghost to lay claim to their property, do not do it because <laughs> there are rules within the law of posthumous marriage to prevent the living spouse from getting property or a dowry. So oh. you can't con the system. You can, yeah. however, get the pension or life insurance payout. So like if your fiance has a job with a pension or mm-hmm. if you had life insurance set up, whatever then the posthumous marriage will benefit you. If you don't Mm. have that stuff, then you're shit out of luck. You're just, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Then in China, probably the most well-known country for ghost weddings, I saw Mm -hmm. also, I think it was Sudan also does them, but it's for like very specific, narrow Mm. regions, and it's less spooky. And I will say, I know the France one isn't super spooky, but it is marrying a ghost. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Whatever. Wednesday night. Yeah. Think about crystal dildos if you're bored. <laughs> so in China, these are the this is where it gets kind of like a bummer. So mm-hmm. part of why I put my research off to the last minute so much is because I had all of these tabs open on Chinese ghost marriages, and every time I opened them up, I'd get sad, and then I'd oh, be like, no. I don't want to do my research right now, and no. I'd just close them. So that happened a couple of times. Anyway, ghost weddings are actually illegal from around the time they became legal in France for civilians. So, like, 1960s-ish. Unlike in France, Chinese ghost weddings sometimes occur between two ghosts, so not just one living partner, one deceased partner. Over the course of the past 3,000-ish years, these were set up by the family of the deceased to follow through on an existing engagement after someone's untimely death to ensure the family line is continued, to make sure younger brothers don't marry before their older siblings do, or to incorporate unmarried women into a patrilineage so they have descendants to honor them. So these are some of the reasons why Mm. a living person might marry a ghost. Yeah. In cases of an existing engagement when a groom predeceases a bride, the bride has the option to go through with the wedding with a stand-in, who's usually a white cockerel. But... If she goes through with this wedding, she has to participate in the full funeral ritual, including its specific wardrobe and deportment guidelines. She has to move in with her dead fiancé's family. And she has to take a vow of celibacy. Are you ready to be angry? Grooms can just go through with the marriage and there's there's no rules. They can just do it if they feel like it. They don't have to be celibate. They don't have to move in anywhere. They can do whatever the fuck they want. And I'm like, what the Mm -hmm. fuck is this? Patriarchy. In the case of a ghost marrying a ghost, these are some of the more fun ones. Families will perform these ceremonies so that the two spirits can spend their afterlives together. Isn't that nice? This is the shit I wanted when I searched ghost wedding. That's the shit that I want. This is it. So one example comes from journalist Bang Xiao, who had a friend who passed away from leukemia in 2009 before he could get married. Mm -hmm. About a year later, the friend's mother found him a bride who was dying of kidney failure. 
After she died, a dual-purpose funeral-slash-wedding was held, and the two were buried in the bride's family grave. The most urgent reason for this wedding was that, had the friend been buried a bachelor, it would potentially bestow bad luck to his still-living grandmother. For the bride's family, tradition dictated that if she was unmarried at the time of her death, she could not be buried in any kind of reputable way. So this was kind of a way for both families to, like, hedge their bets luck-wise. Other instances of ghost-to-ghost spirit marriage are a little bit more fun. They occur after someone in the family dreams of the deceased. In one example, the grandmother of the soon-to-be groom saw her grandson in a dream. In it, he told her that he had met a girl in the afterlife and that they wanted to get married. So the grandmother sought out the young woman's family, only to find that her mother had had a similar dream in which her daughter told her she wanted to get married because she met a man in the afterlife. And so a formal wedding was held for the two ghosts. That's That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. It's so nice. It's like, wow. oh, they're two little ghosts that found each other. What? No one's been their ghost That's life. also very spooky. It's also very spooky, but also so nice. Wow, that's so cute and I, spooky. I love it. Where love is my it. ghost rom-com? Right? I'll oh wait. Oh, my God. I will wait. TikTok, motherfuckers. <laughs> Unfortunately and obviously with the intense societal pressures that stem from a need to be married, like you look at it, it impacts whether or not you can get buried in a certain way, Mm -hmm. what kind of like life you're going to live, where you're going to live, all of that. The custom of ghost marriages has persisted on despite it becoming illegal. And part of why it became illegal is because it's evolved to occur between one living and one dead person and the deceased may or may not have consented to the match. Uh... So, in the more reputable instances of these, like, kind of under-the-table ghost marriages, families interested in ghost marriages will typically consult with a marriage broker slash matchmaker who tries to find a family with a recently deceased member who is compatible in terms of Zodiac. Uh, so that's, like, the more above board where they're like, yeah, yeah. I know when your your uncle died, he was unmarried, and he didn't say he wanted to get married, but we have a woman of marriageable age they're Zodiac compatible. Do you maybe yeah. want to hook these two crazy kids up? And then everybody's married. It's great. Mm-hmm. Other families, and this one's a little bit fun before it gets to be kind of a bummer. Aww. If a families have an unmarried deceased relative and they want to cut out the middleman of having a matchmaker, uh-huh. they will put a red envelope full of money, like what you get at New Year's. Yeah. They'll put that in the middle of the street. Then they will hide and <laughs> wait for someone to come by and be like, is that a red envelope full of cash? And if they pick it up and take it, the family will spring out and be like, guess what? You're engaged to our dead relative. <laughs> That's hilarious and terrifying. <laughs> Can you imagine? You're like, you, you just like see a $20 bill on the sidewalk and you're like, ooh, $20. And they're like, right? sorry, you're engaged or, now. Or if you're like a nice person, you're like, oh, someone left this envelope of money on the ground. Yeah, I'm going to take it to the police box. I wonder and if it has like, their name on it. And they're like, nope, sorry. Nope, Let's sorry. put a ring on that finger. He's like, no, I just wanted to return it to its owner. <laughs> no, <laughs> being punished again. <laughs> on the less reputable end of the spectrum and the super bummer, and we're going to go over this quick because it's a, yeah, real, it's it's a, real, a bummer. real bummer and I hate it. There is a black market for female corpses to be sold as ghost brides. Oh, no. In some horrible, terrible, awful instances, women have even been killed to (gasps) either be sold into ghost bride status or killed by someone who wants to make them his ghost bride. It is awful, and I hate it. I want, like, cute ghost rom-com. I don't want this toxic masculinity, Mm -mm. patriarchal bullshit violence Mm -mm. against women. 
I put in my notes, look, I read a good bit about it and tried to write it up, but it's grim and a bummer, so maybe this is enough for now. (laughs) Yeah, that's... So are you ready to get back into spooky fun? Yeah, spooky fun! All right, so these are coming word for word from wattaweddings.com. And these are... When when you texted me that link and you are like, I'm going to use this source, I was like, what a wedding. What a wedding. (laughs) And the article is called, Five Wedding Stories That Are Beyond Scary and Horrifying. Don't read when you are alone. I Uh, say it in that tone of voice because there are exclamation points after both of those sentences. Yeah, there is... I think it was actually the the Bollywood shoddy thing. Everything had exclamation points. I love it. It's so excited. So let's talk about the creepy wedding dress. Ooh. Wedding dress is such an important thing in a wedding. Again, I'm reading this word for word how it is on the website. This should be worn beautifully by the bride itself, but that's not true to all, especially to Anna Baker, daughter of a rich man in Blair County. Her father gave her everything that money could buy, but Anna isn't satisfied with it. She wants to marry her one true love, but her father wouldn't allow it because the man she is in love with is poor. Anna told her father that she won't marry another man, so she died single. She was not able to wear her extravagant wedding dress. After a few years of Anna's death, the wedding dress was kept in a museum. It is said that the dress sways creepily as if someone is wearing it. Mm. It is believed that Anna's soul is still attached to it. And now I didn't look into this, but based on the picture, I'm going to guess this is in that, like, oddities museum that we've been over before. Oh, where shit. Where they also have, like, the original Annabelle the Annabelle, doll and shit. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like that museum. <laughs> the thing that we're going to go try to see eventually once coronavirus is Yeah, when we, when we can do stuff again, we're going to make yeah. a pilgrimage. Oh, shit. Now, this one is called The Bride That Was Buried Alive. Oh, no. There are a lot of cases of humans being buried alive, but this one is pretty awful because, you know, all the other ones are really chill. This right. one's awful. You know, all of those burying alive chill stories. They're like, so yeah, chill. I totally wanted to be buried alive. Yeah, this is exactly how I wanted this to turn out. No, this I one is awful. Love this. It's not this like is great. those. A chief gravedigger in a cemetery noticed something in a grave. Mm. It was like it, there was a newly dug, so he decided to gather his men and dug the grave. <laughs> what does that mean? We just don't know. We just don't know. Choose your own sentence meaning, folks. They were shocked to see a woman wearing a wedding dress and all the other wedding garments. That doesn't end with that. The dead woman featured signs of a struggle. It is said that the woman was buried alive. Like claw marks on the top of the casket. Yeah, classic. Buried alive symptoms. Buried alive. Another hair-raising event witnessed by few people who went to the cemetery is the sight of a woman wearing a wedding dress. She was following anyone who passes by, crying to take her with them. The chief gravedigger was not convinced of the story until he saw it himself. As he was strolling in the cemetery, he heard a woman saying, Take me with you. I don't deserve to die. When he turned his head to the direction of the voice, he saw a woman sitting in her freshly dug grave with decayed face, and her fingers were all twisting in her hair. Then she spoke again. Take me back with you. The chief gravedigger runs as fast as he could, and we're not able to return to his work again. We missed an opportunity to talk about Corpse Bride by Tim Burton this episode. It was right there in front of me this whole time, wasn't it? It's like when we did, like, Modern Ghosts and I forgot to Google if Kurt Cobain was a ghost. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if we were smart? That's not the podcast you're listening to. Yeah. (laughs) Amit and Rena were getting married in a big mansion. They hired it just for their perfect wedding. At the night of their wedding, everyone was woken up by the screams of Rena's father. It's as if his father was fighting into something no one can see. 
The room of Rena's father were all dark, and the door could not be opened even with the help of ten people. They were really scared with what is happening to Rena's father, so they broke the window and inserted a flashlight just to see what's happening. But nothing is there, and after the light went through the window, the screaming of the father went down. Rena's father confessed that he saw a man with great red eyes trying to reach his neck. He was so strong and was also screaming to him to get off the room. The guard then said a gruesome story. He said that no guest is allowed to enter the room because someone committed suicide there and was hunting whoever enters the room. Uh. You should maybe have told them that before you rented the mansion to them. To them. <laughs> so this is the last one I will do. Yes. This is called The Missing Bride. Ooh. A perfect wedding was the dream of this 26-years-old woman named Alex. She eventually had that great wedding. But something disastrous happened. The couple had their wedding in a backyard just near their farmhouse. During the reception, they decided to play hide-and-seek so the kids could enjoy the party. Wait a second, this is the movie <laughs> hide-and-seek, or ready or not, that's what it is. No, you're not. <laughs> ready or not. Everyone is determined to win the game, especially the bride. This is just the plot of ready or not. Yeah. Until... No one noticed that the bride entered the old farmhouse. Everyone was already out, except for the bride. Without knowing anything, her husband just told the guests that maybe his bride went home already. So the party ended. I take issue with this. What the fuck kind of husband is like, oh, I guess the bride left the wedding and didn't tell me her husband. Yeah, you know what the hell kind of husband that is? The husband who murdered her. <laughs> you right, actually, because <laughs> the end of this story is... When the groom reached home, he wasn't able to see his bride. A report for a missing person was established, but they really can't see her. Because this motherfucker killed her. Yeah. After a few years, when the missing bride's father went to the farmhouse, he found an old chest. He was shocked by what he saw. His daughter's decaying corpse was in there. As the bride entered the old chest to hide herself, the chest was closed involuntarily, and she was trapped there. You're right. The husband fucking killed this poor woman. And stuffed her in a chest. And he's, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> He was like, I actually didn't want to follow through on this marriage, I but have now that I'm married to you, I get all your life benefits. So this has been the Sasha's Big Fat Shinto-inspired <laughs> wedding spooktacular. And if uh, next week on the 18th, there will not be a new episode, yes. because we're going to take a break. Yes. But... We will be back the week after, and if sure I'm will. not, it was because I was stuffed in a box. <laughs> You're not going to get stuffed in a box, because I won't let that happen. Yeah, we're not playing hide-and-seek at my wedding. And also, everybody at that fucking wedding knows how much I love murder, so like... Yeah, so you would figure it out immediately. Yeah, I'd see no some shady shit, and I'd be like, no, no, I see you trying to murder the bride. Tight, heavy this, lid on that noise. The The sequel the sequel to How to Get Away with Murder is a spin-off series where Courtney does not let anyone get away with murder. <laughs> it's just me busting and being like, no, no. No, no, no. I know what's happening here. Knock it the fuck off. The murder is not happening here. I think the fuck not, you trick-ass bitches. (laughs) (laughs) Coming to HBO this fall. (laughs) Yes. So, thank you guys for listening. Thank you always to our Patreon supporters as well. Yes, um, you guys are the real MVP. Basically listening to us go on about Twilight, which... Suddenly, after we've been talking about Twilight, everything suddenly feels like Twilight. I feel like I was watching something... Oh, I was watching Game Grumps today, and they yeah. mentioned Twilight. <laughs> it's it's like, inescapable. Through it's no, inescapable. I, that was the other spooky thing that happened to me. Through no fault of my own, I found myself watching New Moon. I was yeah. over at my fellas last weekend, and we were scrolling through something to watch on Amazon Prime. And yeah. every time we'd scroll past it, I'm like, haha, Twilight. And then he goes, we're watching New Moon. It's for your BonCon, because he always calls it BonCon instead of BonCon. <laughs> bon yeah, Amazon Prime was trying to get me to watch Twilight this weekend, too. And I was just like, no, 
I watched New Moon the movie. They added a lot of stuff not in the book to make that movie have a plot. <laughs> I, <laughs> and, mm, anyway, mm. if you want to hear my thoughts on Twilight, check out our Patreon, where for as little as $3 a month, you can listen to the Courtney Reads Twilight So You Don't Have To series. And thus far, we've only donated a month of our Patreon earnings to the Kiliote Tribal Council. That's the Native American tribe mentioned in the Twilight series. Apparently, Stephanie Meyer did not pay them to use their name and disrespect them in this horrible way. Yep. So we're going to make up for it. We have already made our $45 donation. We'll probably make another one when I buy New er, Midnight Sun. Yep. So check that out, too. Yeah, that was a great Twitter thread that I saw today was if you buy a copy of Midnight Sun or if you check it out from a library, mm-hmm. pay, donate the same, the equivalent of the cost of the book yep. to the tribe. Because We're trying to Stephanie, move out of floodplains. Stephanie Myers is a dick. Yeah. We talk about that a lot on uh, the Bone Cones. We so sure do. So we, we're putting we don't our let money her where get away with is. it. Yeah, we don't let her get away with it. No. It's just like I don't let people get away with murder. I don't let Stephanie Meyer get away with anything. And we don't let J.K. Rowling get away with being a turf. No, but we do let Sasha get away with having a great wedding. We so thank do. you for listening and thank you for accommodating us for taking a little mini break next week. We will be back the following week. If you miss us, we have 132 other episodes you can go back and yep. listen to. Check out our Instagram because Courtney does a great job with that. And there will thank probably you. be photos yeah. of us from the wedding. So yeah. you'll yeah, get to see out. my giant glasses because they get Hell worn with yeah. masks. It's going to be great. Awesome. Let's friggin' do this. Yee! Hey folks, this is Augie Peterson. You might know me from my short horror fiction on the Grey Rooms in Aphotic Realm magazine, or from my podcast, The Short Stories of Augie Peterson. Today I'm here to tell you about a new audio drama I'm writing, editing, producing, and starring in. Linda Listens. Excuse me? Oh, hey Linda. I, I thought you had a nail appointment today. Well, I was about to when I happened to hear some misinformation come out of that pretty little mouth of yours. What do you mean, your podcast? <laughs> well, I I wrote it, so it's mine? Is my name not Linda? Am I not listening to the problems my Twitter followers send me and doing my best to answer their questions and solve their problems? It's my show, hun. You better get that straight the next time you go talking into that fancy-dancy microphone you got there. Sorry about that, folks. Linda Listens is the tale of Linda, a middle-aged woman in search of meaning after the tragic death of her family. Once she meets her raucous neighbor, the meaning she finds may be more sinister than she'd hoped for. What the hell are you talking about? What sinister meaning? Linda. What do you know that I don't? And how you... Get to know before me what's going to happen on my show. You are a fictional character. You can't own a podcast. It's my show. I wrote it. Fictional? Fictional? Oh, I'll show you fictional. Ow! Ow! Show Ow! The- Ow! Ow! Linda! Ah! Linda listens to her new horror comedy podcast from Augie Peterson. Now streaming wherever you find a podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You cavern fear. I'm going to my nail appointment. No. Fuck yeah. Screw you. <laughs>